This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where a woman who accused the state of rigging the COVID casualty figures is suing the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. In her lawsuit, whistleblower Rebecca Jones says the FDLE raid was a sham, retaliation for not altering the data when she worked on the COVID dashboard for the state health department. We started the week with another day of triple-digit deaths, 115 coronavirus fatalities reported Monday by the health department, but there are more vaccines arriving today. Ron DeSantis says there could be almost 750,000 doses by the end of the month, and most of that will go to seniors. Our whole strategy around COVID has always recognized the dramatic discrepancy in risk based on age. And so if you're trying to mitigate based on age, surely you would want to vaccinate based on age. The governor says he will not be following the recommendation of a CDC advisory committee that wants to prioritize essential workers over seniors when it comes to vaccinations. The president of the Florida Senate has suggested halting construction of a new reservoir south of Lake Okeechobee, saying we can't afford it now because of the pandemic. But the governor says there is no stopping it now. The AA reservoir remains a top environmental priority for my administration, and we look forward to pressing ahead as quickly as possible. DeSantis made those remarks at Key Biscayne, where he and Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava were announcing a plan to restore Biscayne Bay. This is a great, great day for us here in Miami-Dade County, and of course this incredible paradise that we call home. Uh, We are making a critical investment in our community and in the future, especially of our beloved bay, which is our lifeline for our economy and our health. Job one is to get rid of the crap, literally. Leaky septic tanks and aging sewer systems are two of the biggest threats. We'll take a deep dive into the bay later in the podcast. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and the story of a Florida woman making serious money during the pandemic with her voice and an OnlyFans account. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, December 22nd. It was on this date in 1961 that James Davis became the first American soldier to die in Vietnam. This was the early days when the only troops there were military advisors. My dad was one of them. On this day in 1984, New York City resident Bernie Getz shot four black youths on a Manhattan subway, claiming they were about to rob him. The subway vigilante was eventually cleared of attempted murder charges. He served less than a year in jail for illegal firearms possession. This is Mathematics Day, National Short People Day, and National Cookie Exchange Day. The former data manager who was fired after accusing her bosses at the state health department of trying to alter the COVID casualty reports is suing the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Rebecca Jones says the December 7th raid on her home in Tallahassee was a sham and is nothing more than retaliation for blowing the whistle on the DeSantis administration. Jones posted a short video on her Twitter account the day of the raid. Come outside. Outside. Who else is in the house, ma'am? My two children and my husband. Where's your husband? Calm down. Calm down. You want the children now? Call them all down. Mr. Jones, come down the stairs. Now! Police, come down now. Bring your children. Bring my children. children. He just put a gun on my children. In her lawsuit, Jones claims her 1st, 4th, and 14th Amendment rights were violated, and she's seeking more than $100,000 in damages. Jones was fired from the health department in May when the governor accused her of disobeying her superiors. She filed a whistleblower complaint with the Florida Commission on Human Relations, alleging the governor retaliated against her for refusing to manipulate COVID data to support his plan to fully reopen the state in the midst of a pandemic. 
Meanwhile, COVID just keeps on killing it. The state health department reporting 115 additional fatalities Monday. That increases our official death toll to 20,946. There were also 11,000 newly confirmed cases of the disease. The statewide total is more than 1,212,000. And 5,500 Floridians are now hospitalized for COVID-19. Governor Ron DeSantis says he'll be holding a press conference today to outline the next stage of vaccinations in the Sunshine State. He made the announcement Monday in Miami-Dade. We're getting about 61,000 doses of the Moderna are going to arrive today is what we're tracking. Um, so 61,000 today and I think tomorrow is going to be over 300,000. And so that's going to go to over 170 hospitals throughout the state of Florida. We're also going to get um, I believe it's about 120,000, somewhere in that range of the second shipment of Pfizer. Uh, and so we expect that to come either today or tomorrow. So all this stuff is in shipment. And our goal is to be able to get it out for folks who are able to, um, uh, to, to help the, the people as best they can. Over the weekend, an advisory committee at the CDC suggested vaccines should go first to people over the age of 75 and then to essential workers. But DeSantis says that is not going to happen in Florida because it puts people between the ages of 65 and 75 at much greater risk. We really need to get it out to the elderly population. Now, I, some of you may have seen there's an advisory committee that advises CDC about priority setting for the vaccine. And they came out with something over the weekend that got a lot of blowback, and I think rightfully so, where they were going to prioritize essential workers over elderly. I think that's a huge mistake. They've had to walk back from that. Their recommendation in front of CDC right now is 75 and plus and essential workers are the next round. The problem with that is, as I see it, is uh, a 22-year-old food service worker would get a vaccine over a 74-year-old grandmother. I don't think that that's a, an appropriate calculation of the relative risk there. So that is going to be presented to CDC. I don't know if they're going to prove that or not. Um, I'm going to have a I'm going to have a full statement tomorrow about how Florida is going to approach uh, this kind of next phase once we get beyond the long-term cares and the frontline nurses and docs. But suffice it to say, our whole strategy around COVID has always recognized the dramatic discrepancy in risk based on age. And so if you're trying to mitigate based on age, surely you would want to vaccinate based on age. And there's been some great analysis done to show that if you vaccinate the bulk of the 70 plus population, the mortality on this goes really, really down. And so that's really, I think, what we're looking for. And I think a lot of people would understand just given our demographics. I mean, we have one of the highest percentages of 70 and plus in the country. And so I think people would understand why we would want to do that. But I also think the data justifies that. I mean, the fact is the mortality amongst essential workers is a fraction of what it is in the senior population. And so the more you're able to provide the protection to senior citizens, the less stress you have on hospitals and obviously the more lives you're going to save. The initial analysis that, that, that was done by this committee that had to be kind of reeled back actually conceded that if you do essential workers first before seniors, you're going to have greater mortality. And I just thought that that was, uh, that was ill-advised. I think they understood that it was ill-advised. But at the end of the day, we're looking at uh, probably be, be, take away what we've already received, maybe another 750,000 doses by the end of the month, maybe a little bit more between Pfizer and Moderna, and then hopefully a million and a half to two million doses in January 
that can do a lot in the 70 plus population. If you're going to try to do every essential worker, that's not going to that's not going to be uh, nearly enough for what you would need anyways. And so you'd be focusing on lower risk populations um, and not even do it, I think, in a way that would be fully effective. So we'll have a full statement on that for you guys tomorrow. Uh, it's something that's very important and it means a lot to me to make sure that we're putting our parents and grandparents first in all this. Almost 8,000 residents and staffers at nursing homes and long-term care in Florida have been killed by the virus, including 38 new deaths reported Monday. Next on Sunrise In Depth, you'll hear about the latest plan to reverse the environmental damage in Biscayne Bay. The state will split the $20 million cost with Miami-Dade County. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. If you live along the I-4 corridor, learn to use your business experience to impact public policy. Apply by January 8th to the Central Florida Political Leadership Institute at cflpli.org. The Orlando Economic Partnership offers this free, nonpartisan program for business-minded leaders to explore whether elected or appointed office is right for them, discover political strategies to succeed and lead, and join a network of influencers. Apply by January 8th at cflpli.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. For decades, environmentalists in South Florida have warned that Biscayne Bay is on the verge of collapse because we reduced the flow of fresh water from the Everglades, while leaky septic tanks and aging sewer systems have turned the bay into a dumping ground for human waste. Governor DeSantis was in Key Biscayne Monday to announce a new plan to clean up some of that mess. Protecting Biscayne Bay uh, has to be a top priority. This means ending sanitary sewer overflows by making the necessary infrastructure improvements, increasing freshwater inflows to protect the many marine habitats that are currently threatened, and restoring the coral reef. To that end, I'm pleased to announce, along with Mayor Cava, a joint investment into the protection and preservation of Biscayne Bay of $20 million. $10 million will come from the state, and $10 million will come from Miami-Dade County. And in the coming weeks, the county and state will work collaboratively to identify worthwhile projects and pursue them without delay. In fact, Miami-Dade has already identified six projects uh, totaling $5 million, and the state is putting in $2.5 million to cover the cost of those. And the funding will include important infrastructure updates and new technology to help predict, predict and prevent sanitary sewer overflows. We have a groundswell of support throughout the state to continue making really strong progress on protecting our water resources and restoring our Everglades. And with respect to Biscayne Bay in particular, um, I want to continue to see healthy coral reefs, sufficient seagrass, and necessary fresh freshwater inflows. And we will continue to work uh, with folks in Miami-Dade County, uh, including Mayor Cava, as well as my state agencies, uh, to make that happen. The newly elected mayor of Miami-Dade County is Daniela Levine-Cava. She says this new partnership with the state should make a big difference in the health of the Biscayne Bay and all the creatures who rely on it. That includes the humans. So it's not an overstatement to say that our entire economy and our community's prosperity depends upon access to clean water. In recent years, we've seen the tragic uh, collapse near collapse of Biscayne Bay, uh, the result of nutrient pollution, 
our historic over-reliance on septic, over sewer, and our aging water infrastructure. We've seen the impacts of this crisis firsthand, especially in recent months. Our seagrass meadows are in retreat. There are algae blooms that are plaguing the formerly crystal clear waters, and the fish kills were literally bringing the crisis off our shores vividly to the surface uh, all too recently. And our beautiful coral reefs are in jeopardy. My administration is committed to taking urgent action to reverse the damage, save the bay, and preserve our environment and economy. And today I am thrilled that we are able to announce this new funding from the state that will be pivotal in helping us to tackle this crisis head on. The good news is that we have a plan of action to guide us forward uh, through the important recommendations of the Biscayne Bay Task Force. And just last week, we released two additional key reports that will help move us towards solutions. The first is a septic report that uh, gives us a tactical approach for how we're going to identify the most urgent and most effective places to start converting our homes and businesses off of septic uh, and connecting them to our sanitary sewer system. And the state will also be very important partner in making sure that we target those investments to help us accelerate this transition. And we also released our first annual Biscayne Bay report card. And our report card is designed to help the public clearly understand the health of Biscayne Bay in different parts most affected uh, by the pollution and it will keep our government accountable every year with this annual report so that we can showcase the progress we are making to save the bay. A critical part of our marine ecosystem is our coral reef. We're the only place in the United States, continental United States, with a coral reef. Uh, we are blessed. Uh, it's a tremendous uh, value ecologically. It's also a powerful contributor to our economy, and it quietly works to protect the life and property by absorbing the power of incoming storms. So it's an important uh, feature of our hurricane strategy as well. And uh, the counties of Southeast Florida have banded together to work with the state uh, to address this mysterious disease that is plaguing the reefs, the stony coral tissue disease. It has devastated the reefs and the funding announced today will go a long way towards restoring the health of our coral ecosystem that is so critical to the health of our bay and ocean. And so we're taking an important step today uh, towards the uh, saving of our bay and of our reefs. Uh, you're making much needed investments to protect our environment, our economy, and our public health for now and for the future. One more thing to pass along from the governor's press conference at Biscayne Bay. It has to do with the new reservoir being built south of Lake Okeechobee to filter runoff before it's released into rivers and streams. Two weeks ago, Senate President Wilton Simpson told the Florida Chamber of Commerce it was a mistake and the state should probably halt the project because lawmakers are facing a $4 billion deficit. Governor DeSantis says forget that. As far as he's concerned, the reservoir is a done deal. We expedited and helped secure the required federal permit to begin work on the 6,500-acre stormwater treatment area of the Everglades Agricultural Area Reservoir Project, one of the most important Everglades restoration projects in history. The project provides significant ecological benefits, reduces harmful discharges to the St. Lucie and Caloosahatchee estuaries, and importantly, sends more clean water south to the Florida Everglades. The AA Reservoir remains a top environmental priority for my administration, and we look forward to pressing ahead 
as quickly as possible. Senator Simpson claims the state would be better off cleaning the runoff before it goes into Okeechobee by using deep injection wells on the north side of the lake. But at this stage of the game, trying to stop the reservoir is a bit like trying to put the genie back in the bottle. One last note regarding the legislature. After a two-day meeting that got testy at times, state economists have issued a revised revenue forecast. As a result, lawmakers will have $1.5 billion more in additional revenue for their next budget. It got nasty because the governor's office was highballing the estimates while the economists who worked for the legislature were lowballing. They did not actually settle their dispute. They simply agreed to split the difference between their estimates. Your calendar of events today is a short one. The Environmental Health Professional Advisory Board meets online at 10. The governor will also hold a press conference at some point during the day to talk about vaccine distribution. No details yet on when or where. Finally today, a Florida woman is making serious bank during the pandemic by using her mouth. 32-year-old Olivia Blanco is a native of London who has more than half a million people following her on Instagram. She moved to Miami just before the lockdown in March, and since then, Blanco says she has made $1.7 million selling subscriptions to her OnlyFans account, where she posts videos dressed in sexy clothing while talking dirty to the camera. She's a beauty, but her best asset may be her accent. Blanco says American guys love the English accent, often request custom videos where all she does is talk. If you're waiting for the punchline now, it's not coming. After all my time in radio, I will never make fun of anyone who uses their voice to make a living, even if she did make as much in nine months as I made in 40 years. Who's the Florida man now? That's it for today's installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.